God. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Acts 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, and suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all of the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. I want to preach to you tonight the foundation for suddenly, part two. You may be seated. Turn to First Kings chapter number 18. I am, I continue to be <coughs> extremely excited about what is happening. I am, continue to be very encouraged by the buy-in, if you will. <coughs> but I just feel compelled in my spirit to make sure that we remember that there are a combination of things that this is all about. That this is not a one-sided thing. We've got to have all elements involved. First Kings chapter 18 and verse number 17, the, there, there's, there's been a famine, there's a drought, there's been some, some bad things going on, and that's a really short summary of a bunch of stuff, but that's the context. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Isn't it amazing we always want to blame our problems on the preacher, <laughs> leaders? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you. And your father's house in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty and the prophets of the groves four hundred which eat at Jezebel's table. So that is eight hundred and fifty prophets. That is 850 prophets that are gathering together in opposition to one prophet. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? How long are you going to be back and forth here? How long are you going to try to ride the fence? 
If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, which really wasn't the case, but that's another message for another time. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood and put no fire under. Get the bullock. Get the altar together. Here is what you are supposed to do, but don't get the fire. Don't put the fire under it. The next couple of verses, I'm going to skip over several verses here, but the next several verses is all of these prophets calling on Baal. You ought to read it. You want to find a good trash talker, you ought to read it, because Elijah was doing some trash talking. They were praying, they were cutting themselves, they were calling out to Baal, and of course, nothing was happening, and you ought to read actually a couple of the other translations. They they got some pretty funny things. One of them says something like, literally one of them's like, you know, is your God off sitting on the toilet or something? I doubt that's really what Elijah was saying, but you know, it makes for some good reading. But the bottom line was there were three times, there's three times, if I'm not mistaken, there's three specific times where Elijah just kind of stands up and challenges them again while they are praying and calling on Baal and nothing is happening. And that goes on for a while and then it comes time for the evening sacrifice and in essence Elijah said, enough is enough, you've had your turn. And so verse number 30, after all day of them praying and calling on their God and nothing happening, Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Don't you ever let the altar become in disrepair in your life. I don't care how many Living Logos books you read. I don't care how many Thursday night classes you attend. You better have an altar that is not in disrepair because we always have to pass by the altar. We get too comfortable going straight to the presence and not going by the altar. But if you wanted to get to the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, the first thing you always stopped by was the altar. Repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I, I'm, I'm not here. I don't think I'm here to preach all night because I believe God wants to do something supernatural in this place. But I do need to say what I feel like I've been given. But don't settle in for a long winter's nap on me. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. I, I want you to notice he didn't just take advantage of their altar. We all like to live off of somebody else's work. 
We all like to live off of somebody else's effort. But when it came time for Elijah to do it, he said, I'm going to build my own altar. I'm not just going to be cheap and use your altar. David wanted to offer sacrifice, and I think it was Aruna, if I'm not mistaken, was the owner. He said, let me give you the land. And David said, I'm not going to give God something that doesn't cost me something. We are living in a time in which people are selling a Christianity that doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to pay a price. You don't have to sacrifice and it's not worth it. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And don't forget, they are in a drought. They've been in a drought. So water is very precious. It is rare. And he takes what is rare and precious and says, waste it on this altar. Sometimes God asks you to pour some things on the altar that it may seem like a waste. But you better just trust him that the reason he's asking you to pour it on the altar is because he's about to set you up for something that's way bigger than what it is. He's asking you to put on the altar. He told him to fill four barrels with water and then he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar. And he filled the trench also with water. So not only was he taking what was precious and valuable and scarce and seemingly wasting it, he was also doing something to the sacrifice that that's not what you normally do to something you're trying to burn. Anybody ever tried in the wintertime, you got a fireplace and... Got that brilliant idea, it'd be a great night for a warm winter's fire, and you go get it only to find out maybe you didn't realize it, but you got damp wood. Damp wood doesn't burn. You need dry wood. He soaked the sacrifice. He soaked the altar. They were already in some impossible situations. But he said, you know what? It's already better. Why not? Let's just make it a little bit worse. I mean, if God's going to do something, let's just, let's just go ahead all the way and let God do something. So 12 barrels of water they have now poured out on the altar, the sacrifice, the bullock. It's running around on the ground and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art the God of in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Oh, God, revive in us the confidence that when we do things at his word, when we do what he has commanded, when we do what he has instructed us to do, we can then count on him to do his part in return. I want you to go back for a moment to verse number 32. He, with stones, he built an altar, he built a trench. He cuts the bullock in pieces. He, he cuts the sacrifice in pieces. He pours all the water on the sacrifice. They do that three times. But notice 
what was not there. The same thing he told the others. You build your altar, you build your sacrifice, but don't put fire under it. You prepare the altar, you prepare the sacrifice, but you don't supply the fire. And so now he does the same thing. He gets all this in order. He gets everything set. He's got the sacrifice ready. He has done his part to lay the foundation for there to be a suddenly moment. He has done his part. He has now put forth his effort to prepare for God to do something. And he says in verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then, then, after all the preparation, after everything was put in order, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Then, 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 who's, who's living logos and oh, they're still there? Is that yours? That's, is that yours? No. Somebody was saving a seat. I don't know whose this is. You know what this is? This is some wood. This is some building of an altar. This is some effort on our part to prepare a sacrifice. But the goal is not just to build an altar. The goal is not just to build something just to prepare the sacrifice. If we get all of that done and there is no fire, if we do our part and there's no fire, we have not succeeded. Once we get the altar in place, once we get everything in order, we've still got to have some fire. And I've come to challenge us as a congregation tonight. The fire is not manufactured by us. The fire doesn't come from us under the altar. But we don't provide the fire. We just provide the sacrifice. But if we will provide the sacrifice, then just like Elijah, we can count on God to show up with the fire and consume the sacrifice. So again, I've come to challenge us. Let's keep going back to the grow table after service. Let's keep signing up for classes. Let's keep reading Living Logos. But at the end of the day, we've got to have some fire that descends from heaven. I'm going to say it again. I've said it many times in the last couple of years, and so I'm going to say it again tonight. We cannot finish in the flesh what started in the Spirit. We cannot complete in the flesh what began in the Spirit. We've got to do our part. We've got to build the altar. We've got to provide the sacrifice. But we've also got to have some fire that's going to fall from heaven. Oh, I, I should let somebody else tell the story since I wasn't there, but, but I, it, it, I, they, they had some fire that fell last night at Youth Advance. 
They, they had some fire that just broke out, I think starting somewhere approximately around 10 o'clock. Just, it wasn't planned. It wasn't scheduled. It wasn't on the, it wasn't on the agenda. And my understanding is it's somewhere around 2 a.m. Somewhere around 2 a.m. What wasn't on the agenda? Something that had broken out because somebody started providing a sacrifice. Somebody started making some room for God to show up and God showed up and a bunch of young people and young adults for almost four hours. There was a supernatural response. Again, I've come to just remind us tonight because we're going to keep pushing grow and we're going to keep pushing the classes and living logos and all of that. But the end of the day, That's just got to be our sacrifice. We've got to have fire fall. We've got to have the supernatural work and move of the Spirit. Where did the fire come from? In the book of Acts chapter 2, after they had spent 10 days waiting and preparing, tarrying in that upper room, they did their part. They were getting in one mind and they were getting in one accord. But ultimately what had to happen, there had to be some fire that came down from heaven. And it did. I'm going to read to you a couple of chapters. They're not the longest, but a couple of chapters from the book of Second Chronicles, and hopefully you can either follow along on your own in your own Bible or your own device or on the screen. But I I, I don't want to just talk about this. I I want you to hear it. I want you to read it. I want you to hear it read. Second Chronicles five. Solomon has completed. The temple, the temple that his father David wanted to build, but God told him he couldn't build. But he provided for Solomon all the materials. He provided the pattern for that tabernacle, that temple, and Solomon was faithful to fulfill what was his father's desire. And so this is the, this is the time frame of these chapters the completion of that temple so second chronicles 5 and 1 thus all the work that solomon made for the house of the lord was finished and solomon brought in all the things that david his father had dedicated in the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of god Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore, all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up because at the end of the day there's no purpose in having a temple if there's no presence to occupy that temple. There's no purpose in building God a dwelling place if God's not going to be in the dwelling place. So there's no purpose for you learning all kinds of stuff about the word of God and accumulating all kind of knowledge if at the end of the 
day, you're not going to be a temple for the Spirit of God to dwell in. They brought up the ark, the tabernacle, the congregation, all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark, sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. For the cherubims spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark and the staves thereof above. And they drew out the staves of the ark at the ends of, that the ends of the staves were seen from the ark before the oracle, but they were not seen without. And there it is unto this day. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein in Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them, Asaph of Heman and Jedithan with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linens, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets it came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were, were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for his, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then, that then, After all of that work, after all of that labor, after all the effort they put forth, then the house was filled with a cloud, even with the house of the Lord, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. It's wonderful what you did, Solomon. It's great the temple you built. It's it's awesome. In fact, Solomon's temple is considered to be one of the greatest architectural feats of all time. But it's all worthless if there's no presence manifested there. It's all pointless if God's not there. It's all pointless if God's Spirit is not there. And it took their praise and their worship to get God manifested. It wasn't all of the articles and things that they got in place that drew God's attention. It wasn't until they got caught up into praising and worshiping Him that the glory of the Lord filled the house and it filled it in such a way that the priests couldn't even minister. Verse 1, chapter 6, Then said Solomon, the Lord has said that He would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built a house 
of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. And the king turned his face and blessed the whole congregation of Israel and all the congregation of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who with his hands fulfilled that which he spake with his mouth to my father David saying, Since the day that I brought forth my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city among all the tribes of Israel to build a house to build a house in that my name might be there. Neither chose I any man to be a ruler over my people Israel, but I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there and have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, for as much as it was in thine heart to build a house for my name, thou didst well in that it was in thine heart. You did a good job, David, that you wanted to do it. That's what he's saying. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house for my name. The Lord therefore hath performed his word that he has spoken, for I am risen up in the room of David my father, and am set on the throne of Israel, and the Lord Lord promised, and have built the house for the same of the Lord God of Israel. And in it have I put The ark wherein is the covenant of the Lord he made with the children of Israel. And he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made a brazen scaffold of five cubits long and five cubits broad and three cubits high. If I'm not mistaken, a cubit is somewhere about 18 inches. So just to give you a little bit of Reference of that, and he sat in the midst of the court, and upon it he stood and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And said, O Lord God of the, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in the heaven nor in the earth which keepest covenant and showest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Thou which hast kept with thy servant David my father, that which thou hast promised him and spakest with thy mouth and hast fulfilled it with thine hand as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David my father that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel, yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my law as thou hast walked before me. I know I'm doing a lot of reading, but do your best to stay with me, please. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, that thine eyes may be open upon this house day and night, upon the place whereof thou hast said that thou would dwell. Put thy name there to hearken unto the, unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place." 
Hearken therefore unto the supplications of thy servant and thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, when thou hearest, forgive. If a man sin against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven and do, and judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his way upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and shall return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people. Answer and bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. I think the context there is a prayer for a backslider. No matter where they are, God, no matter what they've done, no matter what condition they're in, if they turn towards this house and if they pray and if they repent, then God hear them and restore them. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou did, when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. If there be dearth in the land, and if there be pestilence, if there be blasting or mildew, locusts or caterpillars, if there, if their enemies besiege them in the cities of their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of thy, of any man or of all thy people Israel, when every one shall know his own sore and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render unto every man according unto all his ways whose heart thou knowest. For thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live in the land which thou thou gavest unto our fathers. Moreover, concerning the stranger, which is not of thy people Israel, but is come from a far country for thy great name's sake, and that, and thy, and thy mighty hand, and thy stretched out arm, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for, that all people of the earth may know thy name, and fear thee as doth thy people Israel and may know that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If any of this chapter could be prayed by us, we ought to pray these verses. I know this building and I know the buildings we meet in on Sunday morning. I know that's not the church. I know there's nothing special about the place. But I do think some special things happen when the people of God gather together, whether it's just two or three or it's more than two or three. And I know this place in particular is not the church. And I know that in essence there's, there's in some ways there's not anything special about this place. But I would also beg to differ. 
There is something special about this place. And I know some of your other places on Sunday morning, and I'm not trying to, 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 to minimize that, so hear me in this context. But there is something special about this place because it's dedicated for the purpose that we are here tonight. And there's very few things that ever go on in this sanctuary that do not have some kind of direct spiritual connection. To my knowledge, I think about the most carnal thing that happens in this sanctuary is a Nerf war. I'll be very honest with you, I've never said this to anybody, and this is not any kind of a statement that it's not to be done in the future because we don't have a gym and whatever else, but there's a little part of me that's a little bit uncomfortable with that, but not enough to say something, so you guys are okay. Not sending you a hidden message. You understand my point. You know what? That's a, I think we're having a little bit of issues. The light bulb's a little dim. I don't know what's going on. We know they noticed that Thursday night, but you know, for the most part, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's a big screen. I mean, hey, why not take advantage of that on Super Bowl Sunday? I appreciate your response, but I think some of you also know that's not an uncommon thing. But not in this house. Not as long as I'm the pastor, because this is not what this building and this room in particular is for. No, it is not sacred in and of itself, but it has become sacred because week after week and sometimes days throughout the week, we gather together for his purpose, and it's a place of worship, and it's a place of prayer, and it's a place of the ministry of the word. And so I think we have a right to say, God, when a stranger comes into this actual location, It's not all about this location, but when a sinner walks into this building so that they will know how great you are, whatever they ask you for, within reason, we're asking you, God, to hear and to answer. If thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that thou shalt send them, And they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast chosen and the house which I have built for thy name. Then hear thou from the heavens their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not. And thou be angry with them and deliver them over before their enemies and they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss and we have done wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity whither they have carried them captives and pray toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers and and toward the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house which I have built for thy name then hear thou from the heavens even from thy dwelling place their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee again another prayer It could be applied to the backslider. I don't want to... He's not here. I don't know if it's better to call his name with him not here, if it's better to have called it with him here, but he's not here, and so either way. 
But last Sunday night, at the end of service, Brother Sister Evans, Brian came up and greeted me and letting me know he's heading back out for his job. He said, I'm not going to say it the exact way he said it. I, I, I don't think that's, I think I, I, I'm going to rephrase or whatever. But the gist, he said, I, I had some people on my mind this morning, Brother Wright. I was concerned about, we got to, he said, with, with all we're doing, we can't, we can't forget about certain folks. I think that's a, I think that's a living testimony to these verses. God, wherever they are, however far they've strayed, whatever they're involved in, however far into sin they've gone, if they stop where they are and they turn their hearts back to you and they turn their heart to your house, then God, we're asking you, hear their prayer. Don't just hear our prayer. Hear their prayer and respond to them and heal them and forgive them and restore them. Almost there, almost there. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn away and turn away the face of thine anointed. Turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. This is, this is side note, but how in the world, how in the world does a man who prays a prayer like this, how does a man who prays a prayer like that end up with a legacy that Solomon ended up with? But back to the positive. All of that, All of that was laying a foundation. All of that was putting together the wood and the sacrifice and, and, and the altar. All of that was, was getting things ready, but there was no fire. Solomon did all of that, but there was no fire. But watch this next chapter. And I'm only going to read two verses. So breathe a sigh of relief. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying. The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Solomon built the house. 
Solomon got the materials in place. Solomon got the furniture in place. Solomon got the people in place. Solomon prayed the prayer that was necessary to be prayed as the dedication of that temple. But when it was all said and done, there had to be some fire that fell from heaven. There had to be some fire that came from above that consumed the sacrifice, if you will. And so once again, I just feel compelled tonight. I haven't come to sermonize. I'm not here just to preach a sermon to you, but I just feel burdened that we've got to keep doing what we've started. We've got to keep working on the things we're now working on, but let's not try to manufacture fire. Let's not try to produce fire through ourselves. Let's get the sacrifice ready. Let's get the altar ready. Let's do our part, but then let's count on God to allow the fire to fall from heaven because at the end of the day if we do all that we're doing if every one of you check off all the discipleship levels that are back there and the rest of them that will come if you're faithful to do all of that but there's no fire on the altar I'm sorry but it's pretty much all in vain but oh my friend if we do our part if we prepare the sacrifice if we get everything in order and we get everything ready then I think we have every right if we wait on it to expect that the fire is going to fall from heaven. Oh, Jesus. In Jesus' name. 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 They're not going to be drawn to our intellect. They're not going to be motivated by our knowledge. They're not going to be impressed by what we know. There's people that know pretty much as much as we know. They may not know the same thing we know. They may not have the truth, but they've got as much knowledge as we have. And so it's not just the knowledge. We've got to grow in grace and in knowledge. As Brother Mike McGurk preached, last Sunday morning here in Arnold that growing in grace is growing in power it's growing in anointing it's growing in supernatural manifestation of the power and of the presence of God I think I'm pretty much done preaching per se so I just wonder if there's anybody here tonight that says God I'm going to keep getting the altar ready I'm going to keep getting the sacrifice ready but I'm also not going to manufacture the fire I'm not going to produce the fire I've got to have the fire fall from heaven I know I wasn't there. I'm getting it second hand. But in my opinion, that's kind of what happened last night. There was the preparation. There was the getting of things in order. And when that happened, God showed up. I know we've experienced that, Antioch. I know we know what that's all about. But I come to remind us tonight, we can't ever do without that. Uh, 
We've got to have the fire, God. We've got to have the fire. And it's got to come from heaven. We've got to have the fire individually in our lives. We've got to have the fire collectively as a body. But that fire doesn't come from us. Oh God, we're going to do our part on the altar. But we're not going to put our own fire under the altar. We've got to have your fire. Come on, I believe there's a spirit of travail that needs to break out in this place. It may not be on every individual, but if you know how to travail, I believe there needs to be some fresh fire that is birthed in this place tonight. There's some fresh fire that we need to fall from heaven. All of our planning, all of our organization, all of our processes without the fire are pretty much worthless. We got to have the fire. 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 Oh, Holy Ghost, let the fire fall. Let the fire from heaven come to consume the sacrifice. Let the fire from heaven come, God. I know most of you know it, but I remind you what the Apostle Paul said. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's my job to provide the sacrifice. It's my job to get the sacrifice in order. But after I've done my part, I need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall. Oh God, let this house be a house where the fire burns. Let this church be a church where the fire burns. We're not here to be a museum. We're not here to celebrate relics of our past. But we want there to be a continual fire that burns on the altar of our sacrifice. We want there to be a continual fire that comes from heaven. Fresh fire. Let there be fresh fire, God. We know there's been fire that's burned in the past. 
We know there's fire that's fallen from heaven in the past, but we got to have fresh fire today. We got to have fresh fire now. We got to have fresh fire now. You promised God, you promised that there would be fire. You promised the fire would come upon us to make us witnesses, God. Baptize us afresh and anew with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I believe there's some people in this place tonight that individually God's wanting to rekindle a fire in you. Come on, there's some of you, the fire has waned in your life. There's some of you, the fire has dwindled. But the Holy Ghost wants to rekindle that fire. The Holy Ghost wants there to be some fresh fire in your life. If you'll provide the sacrifice, if you'll provide the sacrifice, God will provide the fire. If you'll provide the sacrifice, God will bring the fire. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We've got to do our part, God. We got to lay a foundation. We've got to have preparation. But at the end of all of that, if you don't move, if you don't work, if your spirit is not manifested, if the fire doesn't fall, then it's all in vain. It's all in vain without the fire of the Holy Ghost burning. Oh, God. I know there's a number of folks that are already doing it, but I just want to encourage more of you if you don't really feel the need for yourself right now then would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost would you allow the Lord to use you don't 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 press past your response that's needed for yourself fresh fire fresh fire from heaven 
fresh fire from heaven. We've got to have fresh fire from heaven, not manufactured fire, not fire that we produce. We can build the altar, God. We can get the wood. We can get the sacrifice. We can get it all in order, but it's not our fire that we're putting under the altar. We've got to have your fire. We've got to have your fire fall from heaven. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're trusting tonight, God. We're trusting tonight, God, that if we get the altar in place, if we get the sacrifice in place, if we will present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, then you will cause the fire to fall. We need the passion and the zeal that your fire produces. We need the passion and the zeal that comes from the fire of your spirit, God. We've got to do our part, God. We've got to do our part. But there's only so much that we can do on our part. And then we've got to have you do your part, God. We've got to prepare. We've got to get it in order. We've got to get it in place. But then we've got to have the fire. We've got to have the fire that comes from you, God. Send the fire, send the fire from heaven, send the fire from heaven, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Baptize us afresh and anew with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Baptize us afresh and anew with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hilamando robo koshata yalama.
y calamando robo si alamando robo coche y alabaya y la mundo robo cosi y ayatarraba que anda la bahía si alamaye alamando robo si alarobo corriata bahía In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, In the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. A house of prayer. Oh Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. Oh, Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. Oh, Lord. Make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. Oh, Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. Oh, Lord, make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out, the fire on my altar May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. My altar never burn out. May the fire on my altar never burn. May the fire on my altar. Make me a house of prayer. 
May the fire on my altar, oh, may the fire on my altar never burn. May the fire on my altar burn out. Make me a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. The fire on my altar never burn out. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. The fire on my altar never burn. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer, O oh Lord. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer. A house of prayer, O oh Lord. Make me a house. Make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer, O Lord. Make me a house, make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. The fire on my altar never burn. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. My altar never burn. May the fire on my altar never burn. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn. The fire on my altar burn. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I have a baptismal and a Holy Ghost certificate. It's a little bit of an overdue one. But nevertheless, I've got a baptismal and Holy Ghost certificate for Haley Porter.
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Ended up with three three people baptized total this weekend as a part of our youth advance. We showed a video this morning. It's on social media for Antioch, but yesterday they baptized somebody out in the bay. And I think Everybody involved had stammering lips. But that is awesome. You know somebody serious about being baptized when they're willing to get out in the cold water like that. Doesn't make it any less significant if you did it back there and it was warm. That's not my point. I'm just saying. But that's awesome. Three young people. Baptized in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to make a couple of announcements and I'm going to just ask the ushers if they'll be at the door as you go out. You can give your offering this evening. So, junior and senior Bible quiz teams are hosting a spaghetti dinner fundraiser Friday, March the 20th. This is raising money for their upcoming regional. Bible quiz extravaganzas. You can get a plate of spaghetti, a garden salad, bread, a drink, and most importantly, a homemade dessert, all for the great price of $8 for adults, $5 for kids 10 and under. The Bible quizzers and their family will be your servers, and there will be live entertainment during the dinner. There are two time slots available for you to make a reservation for. First one's at 5.30, and the second one is at 7. There are sign-up sheets in the back at the chosen table, so you can do that. I want to just take a moment, and we're going to keep doing this, I know, for a couple of weeks, but just trying to help everyone as best we can. But there will be somebody at the grow table again after service tonight if you've got some questions, need to learn more. Let me, let me just, um, well, let me say this first. I will tell you in advance the uh, the. I intend to focus this Wednesday or this week's uh, video on the grow stuff uh, more about the actual cards themselves. But let me just say this: by now, all of you, all of you should have all three cards in your possession. If you don't, then somehow we have miscommunicated. Because surely it's not because you understood and just didn't get them. Because you're all too interested for that. So you should have all three, and they are available. And if they run out back there, they can get more. But again, I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in the videos. There's two videos available now that give a little more methodical explanation about this process. And uh, links have been sent out by email. You can also go to the Antioch Central uh, YouTube page and find them there. So um, if you are participating in Life of Christ 1 over the next several weeks and you have not already purchased the book for that, you need to do that tonight. You can purchase your book. They'll be available Thursday evening when you come. Uh, you can still sign up for the classes. Um, there's also 
Uh, I think some life courses that still have some space, several of them are full. You can sign up for those in the back as well. And then I realize uh, there's, there's only a few people, I do think there's a few, but there's only a few people this really applies to or potentially applies to, but I'm going to mention it anyway. We're starting, uh, our, we're launching, officially launching and Welcome to Antioch uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday morning. So if you attend here on Sunday mornings and uh, you'd like to be a part of that, there's a sign-up sheet that starts at 9.15 and uh, if you've been here only for a couple of years, uh, if you've been here for a couple of years or less, I am highly encouraging you, if you are in Arnold on Sunday mornings, to participate in this. And as again, as I said this morning, we won't know the real reason, but if for no other reason, you might want to come because there's going to be some fresh-baked pastries and things like that. So I might see if I can teach and attend all of them myself just to get that, but... Anyway, that is going to happen at this point, at least for now. We're going to be conducting that in the conference room, which is through the side doors there and into that other door to your right. And um, we're only taking 15 people at a time, so it's not a wide open thing since we are going to be continually doing this. Also, I mentioned, uh, I don't know how many of you were listening, but Thursday night I said that there was an Antioch United coming up this coming weekend. I was wrong. I uh, got a little bit ahead of myself. That's not this weekend. It's the following weekend. Uh, but there is Antioch United coming up now in less than two weeks, Friday night leadership meeting and then our Saturday service. So I'm encouraging you to do the best you can to be a part of that. Um, Again, we're launching Thursday night, our first round of classes. They will be starting at 7. I realize some of you, everybody say some. Some of you have trouble getting here by 7 on Thursday. Some of you. A bunch of you have trouble getting here on time any day. So, just saying. But we will be starting. There will not be worship and all that. There will be starting because we're doing two sessions and we've got to maximize our time. So I encourage you to do the best you can to get here on time. Um, once again, if you choose to not sign up for a specific class, you're welcome as always just to come. And uh, there will be something taking place here in the sanctuary. And um, if you don't sign up for any other classes, then you've got two options. You can come at 7 and leave at 8. Or you can come at 8 and leave when that's over with. Or you can come and just sit through it twice. Because usually it's not exactly the same twice. But please, I'm encouraging you, if for whatever reason you choose to not sign up for classes... You still need to come. There's still good things that are happening. And you can, if nothing else, you'll be benefited by what's going on here in the sanctuary. So, um, it is, your watches are not broken or broke. Which one? Broke. Sorry. Broken. I got it right. I didn't know I got it right. So, (laughs) I am ever learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So, (laughs) um it is only 7.30. Since it's only 7.30, can I encourage you, and many of you do this anyway, I know, but would I encourage you not to just 
grab your stuff and run out of here because it's only 7.30? Would you take advantage of the fact that it's 7.30 and just take a little time to fellowship, go by the grow table? There's still merchandise being sold. Buy your living logos, books, etc. God bless you. In Jesus' name.